morning, we are concentrating on the story of the lost son. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So it's a story of restoration. And I have a few big questions for us this morning. Why is it that we tend as people to walk away from the familiar? What seems familiar? Something, things that seem like, oh, I know this. Because you recall from the story we just heard that the son, the younger son, said, look, give me what pertains to me. Give me my own inheritance now. And then the Bible says that he packed up everything his father had given him and he journeyed to a far country. So you see that there was something in this prodigal son that seemed to be assaulting his sense of understanding of who he was in his father's house or something that just seemed to make him uncomfortable about the idea of remaining in his father's house. I mean, very often, I mean, we just like the prodigal son. You know, sometimes you hear a story like this and you think, oh, it's, that's, it happened for him far away. We don't see the relevance to ourselves. But sometimes it's useful to ask myself the question, when I receive that miracle I'm trusting God for, when I receive that house, that car, that promotion that I'm praying for and bombarding heaven night and day, will I still be found in my father's house? May God continually find us faithful in Jesus' mighty name. All right? So, this parable tells us that this younger son took everything that he had been given as his inheritance and he journeyed far away. And the question that always comes to my mind is, you ask your father for what pertains to you and this wonderful father doesn't struggle with giving him what belongs to him, gives him the half and then he takes this property and then he journeys away. And I ask myself, what was it that seemed to tell this younger son that there was no room for expression in his father's house? You know, sometimes you read that parable as well and you think, oh, maybe, maybe the lesson in that parable is don't ask for stuff, don't ask for too much. But that, that's not what the parable is telling us. The heart of the father was the heart that didn't struggle with giving his son what he asked for. And just in case there's someone in the room this morning who is still struggling with that point, but I've been praying for, for that job. I've been, I've been trusting God for that promotion. Let the first foundation we lay this morning be that God does not have a problem with blessing you. Amen. God does not have a problem with settling you. Amen. What I find in my, personal, in my journey personally is Sometimes you're believing God for so much. You have a list, a laundry list of things you want. And sometimes if God even does give you the things you say you want, are you sure you will really want it when you have it? There are other seasons in life where God is preparing you for the, for the weight of what he's bringing your way. Amen? Amen. I want you this morning to trust your father's heart. Can you say with me, I can trust my father's heart. I can trust my father's heart. Amen. So why do people walk away from their circle of protection? Whether physical, whether spiritual, whether even our nuclear family. Why is it that we tend 
to want to pull away and walk away? Or even why do people think that there is a better plan outside the plans of the Father? Why is it that we often question God's wisdom and God's thoughts concerning us? Meanwhile, he says, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil to give you an expected end. Why do we sometimes feel confined by the parameters that God puts out for us? You know, Jude 20 Um, Jude 20 is the scripture that says, building up yourselves in your most holy faith, praying in the spirit. And then verse 21 says, keep yourselves within the love of God. And I've often thought about what that scripture really means. Keep yourself. It says, keep yourself within the love of God. There's another translation that says, keep yourself within the boundary where God's love can reach you. What this says to me is, far beyond a physical boundary, there is an emotional state you can be in where you cut yourself off from all that heaven has for you. And that is not God's wish or desire for us. He wants us to be found securely in the center of his will so that all of heaven's goodness, all of heaven's grace will be manifested in us. You know, and I just can't get away from the thought about this younger son asking his father, give me what belongs to me. And then the Bible says that he took everything and then he journeyed off. I've come to realize that God doesn't have a problem with our sense of adventure, right? I mean, as a parent myself, a parent of two um, teenage girls, it's a joy for me to see them try to express the giftings of God upon their lives. How many parents are with me in the house? Isn't it a thing of pride and joy? So God doesn't have a challenge with our sense of adventure. In my work with God, I've come to realize that every time there is a yearning in my heart for something new, it's the time to dig my heels in all the more and to ask God to help me interpret the desires of my heart. When you look through the Old Testament, Exodus chapter 24, um, it's the story of the children of Israel. They had left Egypt at this point in time, um, gotten to the Red Sea. Remember that story? The Egyptian army was pursuing them. They got to the edge of the Red Sea and then God, with a mighty, miraculous move, parted the Red Sea so that his children could walk through. How many of us remember that story? Very powerful testimony of how God can preserve and keep his people. So these mighty people crossed the Red Sea. And as they journeyed on, the Bible talks about this point in time where Moses tells them, look, I'm going up on the mountain. If you need anything, talk to Aaron, talk to her. Aaron was the high priest, right? Talk to Aaron, talk to her. I'm going away to spend time with God. And while Moses was with God for those 40 days and 40 nights, God began to give Moses a blueprint for the tabernacle. He said, this is how the tabernacle is to be built. This is how the outer court will look. This is how the inner court will look. Was giving him specifics of how to build a tabernacle. Just stay with me this morning. I'm going somewhere. And as Moses was spending this time with God and receiving instructions on how to build this tabernacle, What was happening with the children of Israel? 
That was when they began to talk among themselves. We don't even know where Moses is. Let us make a calf for ourselves. And then everybody gave their jewelry. And Aaron, who should have been correcting them, helps them build this golden calf. And they began to worship an idol in the place of God. And you know what God told me about that passage of scripture? You'll find it from Exodus 24, 25, 26 up unto 32. Please study it when you get home. Powerful, powerful revelations there. And I began to ask God, what, what is the significance of this place? And God began to explain to my heart that here I was having a conversation with Moses about how I'm coming to dwell in the midst of my people. Up until this time, God was just on the mountain, isn't it? He was up on the mountain and only Moses could talk to him and then take a message back to the children of Israel. Is that not true? Yes. But God was saying, this is the plan for building the tabernacle. I want to come and live in the midst of my people. And the people, on the other hand, were thinking, oh, we're feeling cut off from God. Let us build a cow for ourselves. In which case, there was a yearning and a stirring in their hearts while God was bringing a season a fresh season in the lives of the children of Israel, there was a yearning in their hearts that they misinterpreted to mean it's time to build a calf. When God is doing a new thing in the neighborhood, when God is bringing a new season into your life, into my life, very often, somewhere on our inside, we begin to sense it. There's a sense of restlessness. Perhaps maybe you've been on that job for 10 years, 11 years, and you just begin to feel restless all of a sudden. I've learned in my life that that is the time to press in and ask God, what are you saying about the new season of my life? Because it's so easy to miss it when we are drawn away by our own desires. For that young man who, is, who feels like it's time to get into a relationship and it's time to get married. If you don't receive grace from God to navigate that season properly, and to be found in the will of God, it's so easy to, 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 to miss it. But my prayer is that you will not miss it in Jesus' mighty name. You will discern what the will of God is for you in this season. God doesn't have a challenge with giving us the, the desires of our hearts. The Bible says it is, de is delight to give us the things of the kingdom. So just in case the enemy may have done a number on your mind... To make it seem like your father likes to see you sad, broke, busted, and disgusted. Like maybe the enemy had tried to suggest to you that your father likes to see you unsatisfied and unfulfilled. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Amen. God's desire concerning you is to bring you to the fulfillment of his plan and his purpose for you. Amen. Amen. The father of the prodigal son obliged his request. He didn't begrudge his son, all right? Which is why when the prodigal found himself in a strange place, he had lost everything that he had. The Bible says he was even looking, desiring to eat what they were giving the pigs, and they wouldn't even give him. I mean, imagine that. That's even lower than the lowest, isn't it? Desiring to eat what the pigs were eating. When suddenly he remembered, I have a father's house. And even the servants in my father's house have a better experience than this. There's something about understanding the heart of your father 
that brings you on a journey of restoration. The Bible says he came to, when he came to himself. Is there some area of life today that you need to come to yourself? Because personally in my work, I find that there are different areas of life where I'm constantly needing to come to myself. And this is a hint of maybe some area, one or two areas of life where you may need to come to yourself in this season. Are you experiencing pain of any sort? A feeling of unfulfillment of any sort? The father may just be waiting on you to come to yourself and understand that there is a rich treasure for you in your father's house. Amen. This young man says... Even the slaves in my father's house have a better experience than this. James 1 and verse 25 talks about the Bible being a perfect law of liberty. Helping us understand and recognize who we truly are. Who God says that we are. It's so important that we come to ourselves that we discover who we truly are. And so I'm throwing out the question this morning. Do you truly know who you are? Have you truly come to an understanding of who God says you are? If you haven't, would you like to find out? Because you are not your situation. When the prodigal son was having that conversation with himself, he was in the pig pen. But thank God, he came to himself and recognized, I, I, I don't belong in this pig pen. I am not this pig pen. I'm not the situation I found myself in. I'm not even the mistake I made. If the mistake he made had been the most important, defining circumstance of his life, perhaps he would have stayed stuck in that pit. But he remembered. He remembered my father's heart. If you're in the room this morning and you're still struggling with a sense of identity with regards to who God says you are, and all God says you can have. It's crucial to start with an understanding of who God is. If you can understand who God is and understand who he says you are, then the journey is short. Amen. I pray that you will come to an understanding and a revelation of who God says you are. You are not your situation. You are not your mistake. You're not even the people who abandoned you, the people who could not help you, the people who turned their backs on you. That is not who you are. You're not even the deprivation that seems to want to define you and surround you. That is not who you are. Amen. When you understand the Father's heart, you cannot see yourself below his definition of you. I'm going to say that again for someone. If you can truly understand the heart of the Father, you cannot live below his definition of you. You know, I remember a season some years ago, um, just before we had the first women's conference that we have here, the Made for More conference. And for a long time, God had been stirring it up in my heart. I want you to gather the women together, have a conference. But I was, you know, I was just a little hesitant. I wasn't really clear about what he wanted us to do with that conference. And one day as I worshipped and I prayed at home, I was singing a song to God. I was 
telling him that he's bigger than what people say. We know that song, right? You're bigger than what people say, Jehovah, bigger than what people say. And as I sang that song, he said for a moment, just hold it for a moment, my daughter. I want you to sing that song to yourself. I mean, I was a little confused. I mean, here I am singing to God and he's like, no, 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 sing. I want you to address that song to yourself. I'm bigger than what people say. Really? I'm bigger than what people say. And you know, the thought and the, and, and, I mean, the, the, the weight of that thought assaulted my mind. I couldn't stay small after that experience. I couldn't, I mean, I knew somewhere in my mind that God's thoughts and God's plans and God's heart for me was so much bigger than I could even imagine. But to hear God sing it to me in, in such pointed words, you know, a few days after that, I came to church. I don't recall, I don't even recall what exactly the experience was. But a lady just walked up to me in the service and just tapped me on the shoulder. And she said, Pastor B, you know what? I had a, I had a, I had a funny experience with God the other day. I was praying. I, I think she even said, I wasn't even really praying about you, really. I was just praying. And God said, stop for a moment. Do you know Pastor Bola? And she was like, okay, random Random thoughts. Yes, I know she's my pastor in church. I know pastor. She said, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. Do you know Do you know that she is much bigger than you know? And I, I kid you not. I promise you this is not the kind of story. I'm not even sure I've ever shared it in a forum like this ever before. But she said it was so compelling that she had to come and tell me that, look, it, 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 it seems... Like there's a redefinition going on in your life. I said, yes, flesh and blood have not revealed it to you. There's something that comes from allowing God to define you and allowing him to breathe into you who he says you are. You know that scripture that says when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. That scripture took a whole new meaning for me after that experience. You mean God can go around and begin to tell people who I am? I mean, how? I mean, how wonderful is that? You know, sometimes you, we waste too much time trying to tell people who we are. If you've ever been through public transport in Nigeria, I'm sure you are familiar with this, or even in Lagos, actually. I think it's unique to Lagos. You are familiar with this context. Two people fighting and someone saying, do you know who I am? Who are you? Do you know who I am? My uncle's brother's father's sister is the, oh, it's not you. Everyone trying to prove who I am and why you should respect me and why I am powerful and why you should be afraid. But God honestly wants to define you. He wants to put such an understanding of who you are in relation to himself in your heart. That the situations of life you find yourself in cannot shake that image. The, 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 the temporary things that try to take you offline cannot shake that image. Because it's been stamped so well in your heart and on your mind that you are a child of the father's house. You're not a slave this morning. You are a child of the father's house. Amen. And this young man, the Bible says, journeyed back home, rehearsing in his mind that when, okay, comport yourself, young man. 
when you get home, this is how you will say it. I'm not, I'm not worthy to be a son anymore. It's okay, I can be a slave. He had, he had rehearsed in his mind that, look, it, 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 it can't get any better than this, right? Just for me to even get back inside that house is even a testimony for me. He had some understanding of who his father was. He just didn't know the whole picture. You see, that's why we can't afford to stay away from God's word. Because we only know in part, we don't know in full. There is some more to the understanding you have of your God that you need to keep going back into the word. You need to keep going back to fellowship with God to get a fuller picture of who your father is. Amen. Because as he approached his father, you know, I play that scene in my mind again and again. It's one of my favorite contexts of description of God in the, script, in the Bible. And the young man must have been coming, you know, just rehearsing to himself how he was going to apologize and just all of that. When suddenly he sees this character running towards him, I don't know if he even realized that it was his father running. I don't, I don't know if he really saw that picture and, and caught it well. That this is my father running towards me. Then maybe... Maybe at some point, because the Bible says that when the father saw him from a long way off, the father started running. And maybe as he saw his father approach, he began to understand that, ah, this is my father. Ha! Ah, he's come to tell me I must not step foot in this house. He has come to tell me how disappointed he must be in me. All those thoughts, I don't know what may have been running through that young man's mind rehearsing maybe about how he was going to have to grovel and beg and just debase himself just to, to be able to be a servant in his father's house. And here is his father just running towards him. The father is just consumed with his love for this son that has come again. And as the young man falls to his knees and begins to rehearse his story, I'm sorry, make me a servant. The father was like, sir, what? You don't understand it. Nothing can take away from the fact that you are my son. Hallelujah. Nothing can take away from the fact that you are my daughter. Not where you've been, not where you've gone, not even what you've lost. None of that can take away from the fact that you are a son. And the father throws a big party. I'm constantly overwhelmed by that story of God's reckless, overwhelming love. So even as this young man had a crisis of identity, because it must have been a crisis of identity that told him that you cannot express yourself in your father's house, right? You have to go far, far emotionally, far spiritually, far physically from your father's house. Something somehow that suggested to him that identity, you, you can't fulfill your calling here. But thank God the Bible says he came to himself. Just as I know someone in this room today is coming to themselves. You're coming to yourself emotionally. You're coming to yourself spiritually. You're coming to yourself according to everything that the Father has declared concerning you. But you know, as I consider the younger son's crisis of identity, 
There's also another person in that story who also clearly had a problem with identity. And that's the older son. How many of us remember that the older son, the Bible says, was angry when he saw that his father had thrown a party for this younger son? In fact, he said, he didn't even say, you threw a party for my brother. He said, this is your son who has wasted all that you gave him on prostitutes. And it's interesting that he said that. Was he there? How did he know that the boy wasted it on prostitutes? Did he follow him? Did he, did he see it on social media? How did he know that it was on prostitutes? That this young man wasted what his father had given him? Ladies and gentlemen, there's, a, there's an older brother syndrome. That if we're not careful... If we're not mindful of securing our identity, we will find ourselves lost in that place. You know it now, the older brother syndrome. It appears that God is blessing my neighbor. Ah, there must be. There must be fraud there. You know. How can God bless that person and not bless me? they recognize that I am a worker in the house of God? The older brother, he was a worker now, isn't it? You read it, isn't it? I've been working for you. I've been slaving for you, father. You didn't even give me a goat. Who told you that your inheritance is goat? If you wanted elephants, why didn't you ask for it? Hallelujah. All that the father has is yours. He said, my son, you are with me always. The treasure, the rich treasure of fellowship with the Father. You know, we waste too much time sometimes just chasing the things. Chasing the outer trappings, the outward trappings. And we've forgotten that the real treasure is access to the Father. Fellowship with God. And in that place of fellowship and communion with God, just being able to speak to him and say the things that are on your heart to the Father. You know, many of us have become so transactional with God. God, give me this. God, give me that. God, I want this. God, can't you see? I don't have this. And we've forgotten that he longs for that place of sweet communion with us. He longs for that place of intimacy with us. Every time I'm tempted to get agitated and, and, and get, get carried away by the way things appear. I remember that story of Elijah. How many of us remember Elijah? When he journeyed into the wilderness. And the Bible says that there was an earthquake. But God was not in the earthquake. And there was wind. But God was not in the wind. But then there was a gentle and then he knew God is here. The Bible says that he wrapped himself up and came to the edge of the cave and he heard what God had to say. Some of us just need to learn to yearn for just that place of intimate fellowship. This young man was in the house outwardly, but inside him, no quality of relationship. This is the season and this is the time where you need to plug in and say to yourself that if the father has promised me 
all things that pertain unto life and godliness, then I'm going to spend time with him. I'm not going to live a, a, a sub life. I'm going to live a life that is fully understanding and fully embracing of all that God has for me. Because ladies and gentlemen, we are not slaves. We are sons and we are daughters. You are no longer a slave to fear. You are no longer a slave to your past. You are no longer a slave to the accuser of brethren who day and night wants to bring your transgressions before the Father. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. And this older brother who was the great reminder. Don't you remember? This is the same son that took all that you gave him and went and wasted it on wild living. I ask myself, if we, being sons and daughters of God, have some understanding of the Father's heart, our preoccupation will not be on who else, why, why someone else shouldn't be blessed because we are the number one candidate. Some of us, the way we live our lives in relation to others, it's as though if all the Christians on earth today, if God was to take a roll call, everybody line up. The way some of us carry ourselves, we have to be number one on the queue, right? And anybody who looks like they are being blessed outside of us, problem. But God wants to break your heart with the things that breaks his heart. He wants to give you such a heart of love and compassion. He wants to give you such a heart that understands that in this our father's house, our modus operandi is love. Jealousy will not cut it. Bitterness will not cut it. Amen. In our father's house, the modus operandi is love. Love out of a pure heart. Does your father want you to live right? Does your father want you to do what's right? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that is why he has given us the Holy Spirit. Amen. He says you have received the spirit, not the spirit of this world, but the spirit of adoption. Amen. So that you may know those things that have been freely given to you in Christ. He says those who walk in, who, those who Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Amen. You see, that was the whole point. When Jesus came and died and shed his blood and reconciled us to the father, it was so that we would have access to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to help us in our infirmities. The Holy Spirit wants to show us how to live. The Holy Spirit wants to help us to live lives that please the father. It's not okay to say, you know what, I want to get my life right and then I'll come back to the house. That's not, that's, 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 that's not the way. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. Because in ourselves and of ourselves, we, we, we really don't get it right. Amen. The psalmist asks the question, who is man that you are mindful of him? Because he knows that this, this earthly suit that we're wearing it is prone to all kinds of error. 
But there's something about living a life in the spirit, a life submitted to the spirit of God that helps you to work out your salvation, that helps you to do things that are pleasing to your father. But about whether or not your father wants to receive you and welcome you and love you back to life, he absolutely does. He settled it years ago. Before we even made the decision, he had settled it. The Bible says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Maybe for a good man. Maybe, maybe someone may dare to die. But the Bible says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Isn't that a point to celebrate this morning and thank God for the wonderful love that wouldn't let us go, that wouldn't let us die, that wouldn't abandon us to death. I'm so grateful for the love of the Father. Someone may have their minds filled with the thoughts of that older brother this morning. Maybe you want to come home. Maybe you really do want to Enter into what God says about you, but you're remembering those people who, who are waiting to accuse you. Maybe your mind is full right now of those people who saw you when you were at your worst. They, they, they won't believe me, if, 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 you know? And because of the older brother, maybe this morning you're stuck in that place where you, you, you can't even make that move back. This morning, can I lovingly remind you that this prodigal son didn't, didn't confuse issues. His journey home was not predicated on the brother, wasn't predicated on the servants, wasn't even predicated on the people that wasted his money. The only thing that filled his heart as he meditated that day was in my father's house. There's space in my father's house. My father's house has space. My father's house has space. Can I assure you this morning, your father's house has space. Come, come, come home. Your father's house has space. I don't know what area of life you may feel like you're living below God's potential. I'm constantly coming to myself. I'm constantly, constantly coming to myself. Because when you say that prayer and you get born again, doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't want to steal, to kill, and to destroy. From the very beginning, it has been a battle of identity. When Satan showed up to Adam and Eve and said, Has God said? It was a battle for identity. He was, he was contending with them over what God said to them about them. Did God say that? You will be like God. Come on, step there, do it, try it. And I need you to recognize this morning that it's a continual work of coming to yourself, of looking into the perfect law of liberty, of pressing into God's word, of, of going into that place, that secret closet and saying, Father, what do you have to say to me today? Because I need you to remind me of who I am. When I went out yesterday in traffic, there was a Danforth driver that called me some name. There was a boss somewhere who tried to convince me that I knew nothing, I have nothing, that I can say nothing reasonable. And I need you to remind me today who I am. 
Don't stray away from who you are. Who you are is a precious child of the Father. Who you are is a precious son, a precious daughter. He shed blood for you. That's how precious you are. Do you see men contend over something that is worthless? There is value there. The fact that there is contention there is evident to you that there is something precious, something of value. If there is any contention over your life in this season, let it settle securely in your heart and your mind that you are someone of value. You have something of value. That's why the contention seems so tough sometimes. That's why the struggle to lift your head up sometimes just feels like, like, like it wants to take your soul. This morning, I want you to remember who you are. You're a precious child of God. A precious child of God. When God could find no one else, God himself took off his heavenly suit and stepped down in the form of a man. And he hung on that cross and said, it is finished. And the Bible says that we now have a great high priest who can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities because in all points he was tempted as we are. But because we recognize that this high priest has done this for us, he says, you may come in boldly. Let us therefore come in boldly before the throne of grace, Hebrews 4, that we may receive grace and obtain mercy at every place of need. Is there a place of need this morning? There is grace for you. Is there a place, is there, is, is there a place of need this morning? Come, there is mercy. There is mercy. There's an abundant store of mercy for you. There's a rich overflow of mercy. Oh, someone is just so overwhelmed by a situation that they left at home. And he says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon, me, upon you, learn of me, my burden. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants to trade that yoke of heaviness. And wants to give you his, his peace this morning. In place of that place where you carried a burden of guilt. He wants to take it away. He wants to roll it off you today and give you his peace, his joy, his love. Or maybe someone is struggling with some relationship where there has just been, you know, there has just been bitterness. Maybe a family relationship. Maybe a friendship where words were spoken in anger that should not have been spoken. I mean, this story is a story of reconciliation. A father reconciled with his son. An older brother reconciled to the understanding of, look, our, 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 our family member was lost. We need, to, we need to embrace, we need to embrace this young man. I don't know who is carrying a yoke of bitterness this morning. Maybe there's a family relationship that has just been severed. And God is ministering to your heart this morning that enough, 
enough, enough. It is time to be reconciled. It's time to allow my grace to help you mend that family relationship. It's time to trust me to help you heal. Because he says, the same fountain cannot bring bitter water and clean. Hallelujah. And that bitterness in your, at the core of this relationship, he says, it cannot stay. Maybe you feel like you've been stuck on the same spot for too long and God is telling you, go and examine that relationship. It's time to let the bitterness go. Maybe you were betrayed. Maybe you were stabbed in the heart by someone who you trusted. God is saying this morning, it's time to let it go. The healing will come when you let the bitterness go. Amen. It's time to come to yourself. It's time to come to yourself. In our Father's house, we have forgiveness in abundance. That's why Jesus could leave heaven. Jesus is our older brother, right? But he was not like the older brother in that story. He left the father's house and said, if it's precious to my father, it's precious to me. And I'm going to go out and seek what my father says is lost. I want to say a prayer this morning with someone who Who is struggling in an area? You're, you're born again. You know, the, you know God. You know the Father. But you're struggling in some area. It's, it's, you know God is saying to you that it's time to grow up. Galatians 4 says that as long as the son remains a child, the stewards and the servants administer over him. But when the time has come for him to enter into his inheritance... It's a fresh season. And you know that you're due for a fresh season. I want you to put your hand on your heart this morning. I want you to put your, heart, your hand on your heart this morning. And I want you to ask this morning for a new season. You know the area where you need things to shift in your life. You know the place where you have stayed on the same spot for too long. You haven't grown in your understanding of God. You haven't grown in the way you have manifested him in your life. I want you to ask this morning, God, I, I need a fresh, a fresh season. Ask, he said, ask. Ask. Ask, he says, and I will give you the things of the kingdom. He said, hitherto you have asked nothing. Now ask. So that my joy may be made full. His joy is made full when you ask. Ask for a fresh new season. A fresh new season. Grace. Grace to enter into this new season of your life. In Jesus' mighty name.